You're listening to a Powetcast, an audio netcast from Powet TV. P O W E T dot TV. Chell it. Welcome back. Last week we revealed that we're still putting the finishing touches on Fit the Fifth of Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, so this week we are going to switch gears a bit. In order to drum up anticipation for this first completed Not Them production in eight years, we will be talking to Zaphod's better half, Caleb Philbond Gesseling, about his involvement in the forensics production of this fit, the original Not Them recording sessions, and those bygone days at the turn of the millennium. After that, we'll be playing a completed clip from Fit the Fifth to let you know that, yes, it is being worked on feverishly. This is one of my favorite exchanges from this fit, partly because I played 4 for the forensics piece and had to spend a lot of time memorizing and practicing it, but mostly because 4 is completely hammered, and the sound effect work that Colin and Keith did in this passage is really great. But first, let's talk to the Not Them production crew of Keith, Colin, and Tom to review the events of Fit the Fourth. We actually talked about it a whole lot last episode, so we're not going to spend too much time with it this time. Uh, but there, yeah, I know. Uh, but there are a few things I'm sure people want to know about. Me personally, I was kind of curious as to uh, who played the intercom announcer because it's kind of it's kind of great. That was um, that was Christian Sorensen who played Slardebart Fast and uh, one of the cops. I think this is kind of unfair because for someone who just came in to do uh, two episodes, he did more voices than either Caleb or I did. In fact. Caleb and I together made up one character, and yet we didn't do any other parts for this entire uh, for this entire production. Yeah, you got screwed. It was actually mostly an availability issue, I believe, because it was really hard to get you both Caleb together for the Zaphod parts, as it was. Let alone, God forbid, to do anything else. In fact, uh, most of the random parts were reason why they were done by me and Colin is because Colin and I were the people of at least some idea of doing voice acting, and we were there. Like there all the time. Yeah, Keith, Tom, and I were always there. So you know, if Keith... we were just lying, we were just hanging around the apartment, going, "Hmm, who's gonna do the voice of that?" Uh, uh, okay, I guess it's me <laughs> or Colin again. Colin, can you do a voice Pretty for much. an alligator? That's, Keith that's wasn't it. that comfortable doing voices, and yeah. uh, and so it was always done. Wait, to Tom we had and me. an alligator. We had an iguana. Okay, there you go. <laughs> They're essentially the same thing. Essentially. Yeah, bigger teeth. <laughs> I actually remember going over to your house a couple of times no, with the intention of bringing you back to record stuff, and we ended up like working on 1013 and never actually oh, that's right. <laughs> going back to my place to do anything. Wow. Uh, yeah, speaking of the cops, I know you guys were mentioning this uh, when we were talking about it last time. They're both Americans, and uh, there was actually a story behind that. Actually, as far as I know, they were both Americans in the original BBC show, which... Well, they were meant to be Starsky and Hutch, kind of. That's the story behind the original uh, recording. Yeah, he uh, he wanted to make Shooty and Bang Bang, you know. He always had the two-buddy cop show, which was a very popular genre at the time. And uh, Douglas wanted to create these our typical American cops. Now, we didn't know that at the time, but... Uh, yeah, I'm not exactly sure why we recorded it that way, but I do happen to know for the fact that uh, he always intended them to be American. I do really enjoy uh, Chris's John Wayne impression. <laughs> I never knew he walked like that. <laughs> I know we'd seen the uh, the BBC TV series, and the cops were American in that, and I think we just kind of assumed, I don't know, I, I can't hear in my head British cops saying those lines. They just, they don't sound right without an American accent. I don't know why. It's the funny hats. It must be. I can't imagine actual American cops talking about sensitivity and writing novels in crayon, but 
<laughs> but I can't imagine British cops doing it either, so... So so normally at this time, we'd be heading right into the next fit. However, uh, as I mentioned last episode, Fit the Fourth was the last of the originally produced episodes. In the interim, Colin and Keith and, and to some extent Tom have been working on editing the final two fits. So uh, how's that going, Colin? It's actually going quite well. It's... Um... It's a much longer process than I remember it being, and uh, it's it's kind of a daunting task to know that we're working under a time limit. I'm enjoying the hell out of it, but no, it, it is going well. So rest assured, uh, everyone here is working hard to get this done in time for next week, and following that, fit the sixth as well. So now we have someone with us who is not Keith, Colin, or Tom. Caleb is here to talk to us about playing his half of Zepha during the course of this production. So let me set the stage here. It's high school. Tom, Colin, and I ended up snagging the Badger Conference Medal for a Forensics Ensemble piece and finished out state with a silver medal for our production of Fit the First. I still have one year left and decided to pull together a bigger group for Fit the Fifth, the restaurant at the end of the universe. So how do you fit in, Caleb? Well... I don't really remember. I was just the younger kid one year behind who somehow decided to hang out at the lunch table and managed to worm my way into the production. And I think I weighed about 80 pounds less then. I might have been quite a bit shorter. I don't know if I was able to drive at the time. Yeah, I probably was. (laughs) I probably was on my first car. I never knew anything about The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, and I continued to not know the story that I had participated in until the theatrical film came out. And now I have some insight into the characters and i've been listening to the finished products of this production as it goes along and i'm shocked to find that it's coherent and entertaining despite my ignorance (laughs) (laughs) so you you were the understudy for zaphod and so you're kind of used to sharing the role already although not simultaneously as as we did here yeah well i was supposed to be an alternate i was supposed to be the backup guy in case our good friend Scott Bauer was unable to attend any of the competitive performances of of our little arrangement, so I went to all the practices, I learned the lines, and it actually ended up, when all was said and done, that I had participated a great deal more than Scott had. Sorry, Scott. One of those performances that he attended was the state competition where we ended up getting the gold. So yeah, I can won see. the whole thing. <laughs> I can see how that would be upsetting. All me. Carried the whole group on my shoulders. <laughs> Oh it was a lot of fun, though. I remember, um, I remember working out little bits, scenery, chewing things. There was uh, one instance that we got a compliment on from a judge, a very nerdy judge, who was going to give us a perfect score based on selecting the restaurant at the end of the galaxy, regardless of our performance. But uh, there was a scene where Trillian and I were seated in the back of the scene not having any dialogue, not being important at all, and we just decided that we were going to pantomime something that we were doing over dinner. And we had all of these little actions worked out. I think one of us was breaking an egg, and we played a game of rock, paper, scissors, or maybe we were drawing something together and passing it back and forth over the table. It was very distracting and contributed nothing. That's that's not entirely true. I seem well, to recall people some enjoyed judges. it. Yeah, yeah. I, I had this long sequence where um, I talked to Hot Black Desiato, um, and there wasn't much for anyone else to do as I had my little monologue there. We eventually cut that out entirely. If you couldn't tell from that little diatribe there, I actually played Ford in the forensics piece, and come to think of it, I kind of played Zephod the same way, which probably wasn't good. 
this is all useful for me as a time capsule. I don't know if you've gone over this in any of the other interviews, the incredible span of time where this project was set aside and left unfinished. And now to hear these resources, these assets that you've unearthed is so much fun. Yeah, I, I did mention a couple of times in passing that it's been about eight years since we worked on this, and I didn't actually remember a lot of the recording sessions themselves until we got to our original raw files, and we in fact just listened to one before we started here. Yeah, what I remember is sitting at a table in a basement full of people just cracking up, being unable to hold myself together. Well, I know some hydrogen addicts that are quite clear on that. <laughs> <laughs> You're not making this easy. I'll have some hydrogen dioxide. The two of us sitting at the same microphone. Uh, is that right? We had one yeah, microphone? Yeah, one microphone. Yeah, and, and now re-listening to our recording, it's exactly as I remember it. We're full of stupid pop culture references of the time, much as we are now, but our references from then that we parroted were, uh, well, they're very dated now. I can be eaten with a fork or a warm apple pie. Cherry pie! I thought I picked up references to uh, you had an affection for Tenchi Muyo. I had just gotten my chi. Your Tenchi. Yoo-hoo, Tenchi! Oh, sorry. And I yeah. liked Jim Carrey's Man on the Moon very much. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. What else was in there? The Simpsons. Oh, pointy. Oh. Ew, slimy. Uh-oh, moving. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the Simpsons, yes. We're going to have to go and dig up the, the first ever audio c CD released along with The Simpsons now. Yeah, I didn't really know any of those guys very well. Uh, I particularly, I don't think I had ever met Keith before. Uh, I hadn't either, actually. Tom's friend Craig was this mythical character who I had heard of a few times. Tom's penchant to uh, mix up the names of all of his friends whose names start with a K or a C meant that I had heard the name Craig many <laughs> times, but it meant nothing to me. Particularly hilarious or maddening, depending on your opinion, uh, was Colin acting in capacity as script boy, especially for Fit the Fifth, just not, <laughs> not reading his lines as written and saying whatever he possibly could come to mind. Well, I'm quite used to being humiliated. I can even go and pull my pants down in public if you'd like. What you? <laughs> yeah, he couldn't help improvising whatever he felt like. He knew the lines so intimately that he would just paraphrase, and and I couldn't handle that. Would you like me to go pull my pants down in public? Here, I've got a pair ready. Wait just a minute. Ah! What's he saying? Is he fun? Oh, nothing. He just phoned to. <laughs> <laughs> There's a double entendre in the real way. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> so, Zephon, satisfied yet? <laughs> you can't make jokes because he can't handle it. Oh, baby. Any little 
jarring jolt to what I was expecting would just tip me right over and I would be unable to continue from that prompt. Well, you and me both. Uh, another thing, too, was that since we were so used to our version of the material, which had been um, based off of actually the musical script uh, and had been a bit modified from the original radio broadcast, which is what the Not Them production is using, um, was a little confusing because even though I didn't play as AFOD, I was used to hearing a line a certain way. Uh, so when it came time to say it, my you know brain wouldn't switch over to the, to the older, more archaic version, and that, that caused problems here and there. Parking cars. What else would he do in a parking? Or, damn it! Fuck. <laughs> right. Come on, guys. Let's go. Car park. Okay. <clears throat> parking cars. What else does one do in a? God damn! I keep. All right. He's pre-programmed. You can't blame him. <clears throat> Just say it right there. Parking cars. What else? Dum dum. Full trillion. Let's move. Yeah. Something I'm really surprised to hear when listening to these section or sessions is that I have an opinion. I have a familiarity with the material, and I recognize when something is done wrong. I have creative input. Well, I, I was supposed, to, is, I was supposed in, to interrupt him right the there. The thing is, in our version, we interrupted Arthur, and it worked really good. But we can't interrupt him, because we're not using him. Remember? Oh. My recollection is very much that I was intimidated by the situation. So I was surprised to hear that I indeed said things other than my lines. I think you just graduated high school, and most of us had, you know, either been off to college for a year or yeah, two. Yeah, this just was during out the, the summer. Yeah. Everyone had come back from their first year at college, and I was about to go off. So I don't, I don't remember how this came about. I remember Tom approaching me to play as AFOD, um, but I don't know if he had decided yet if he was going to use two people, or if I recommended you afterwards because you had actually played Zaphod. Um, but I, I can't imagine them thinking of you. Wait. I don't want to say it that way. Well, you're right. <laughs> I, uh, I to this day, don't really understand how I was picked. I'd never done any kind of voice recording before, um, if that isn't painfully obvious. Compounded by the fact we had to read lines for what was written to be one character split up into two different people working on the same microphone. And uh, the trials therein, because originally we had to kind of do it ourselves. Is that me? It says one, I think. Yeah. Yeah, but it's one, then it's one. <laughs> oh, okay. Sorry. Did we split the lines up ourselves? Originally, um, and then Tom started... Uh, yeah, then he annotated them for us. Yeah, everybody's here. Everybody who was anybody. That was me right there. See the two? There's no slashy. Oh, what? It's next line. <laughs> <laughs> slashy. All right, one more time. Yeah, and even and then... that worked very well. We did yeah. a lot more simultaneous... Uh, saying of the lines and how did we do that there's a phone call for you hey cool that same time see how it's the same time the limitation. get over it same time same same not different but same there isn't a lot of evidence in the recording w was there a silent three two one on someone's fingers <laughs> one two three hey cool. i honestly don't sounds pretty good <laughs> I honestly don't remember. I think we probably did do it that way because it, you know, some of them are a little too good to be coincidence. I think, but it, but even even with this incredible care taken to split things up, we occasionally got a little confused. Yeah, I can't believe we finished anything. The entire fifth of fifth, we actually did our lines separately from everyone else. And as we mentioned before uh, during the podcast, uh, that wasn't intentional even though it, it kind of works better um we typically had everyone together so i think like fifth to sixth which i don't remember recording at all by the way um we did yeah um well you see that all goes toward how i had no idea what the plot was 
and I was just reading lines on the page and trying to comprehend every situation as it was presented to me. <laughs> Very much like pro- professional voice actors. Uh, all right, I'm going to call my voice actor friends and apologize to them profusely, but they probably don't listen to this podcast anyway. Now, what else is Tiff for doing with her time? Uh, you know, in the shit of Matt Greenfield, I imagine. What? <laughs> <But> they're married. <laughs> She can do that. She's a grown woman. Who's Matt Greenfield? Uh, he's the owner of ADV. Oh. Okay. <laughs> so I, I kind of feel bad about my performance as Zaphod because, I, you know, there, there weren't a lot of examples of how he should act or behave or sound at the time. Um, we hadn't heard the radio shows before that. There was the TV miniseries, which I don't even think I watched until after we did this, to be honest. Um, and you know, the movie was still years off, so so we didn't have a lot of a lot to go on. Um, and in in preparing for this podcast, I actually listened to the secondary through quintessential phases uh, of the of the radio show, and you know, I feel a little bit better because in the secondary phase, Zaphod sounds a lot more aloof and um generally low key especially you know more than we portrayed him here um but also more than he was portrayed in, portrayed in the original version i'm kind of sad that we didn't get a chance to get into the secondary phase well i don't know about you but i was really just playing myself <laughs> yeah like i said i was i i was pretty much doing my ford thing which i don't even know who the hell i was trying to be when i was doing ford I don't know if you remember Zaphod from the movie, but he was... Oh, I do. He, he runs a stark contrast to our portrayal, doesn't he? Well, he runs a stark contrast to a lot of portrayals. He spends oh. most of his time being literally out of his skulls, because one of them is captured. And um, the rest of the time, he has to have this lemon-powered brain thing attached to his head to keep him from you know, uh, going completely nuts, which... That was a contrivance just for the movie? Oh, uh, it was, yeah. Huh. I did enjoy the movie, and uh, it, well, I don't know how I feel about the way that they were able to pull it off with so many people in their original accents compared to how we were all putting on British accents. The accents don't really seem to be of any particular importance. Had we only known. Yeah. So we already recorded the uh, fifth, the sixth, did we? Sixth of six. Yeah. Uh, so there's no more studio work for me to do. There's well, here's the thing. I had this little plan that um, I I hatched uh, and offered up to to Colin and and Keith, where we could do fit the seventh, which has that um, you know Zaphod heavy dialogue. And I don't know. I personally want to redeem myself. Yeah, that sounds good. Um, but we got it. We got to convince Colin to do it. So how about um, everyone write in, encourage Colin. Uh, to produce Fit the Seventh for your benefit. We'll include it as part of the podcast, and um, he'll just have to kill me later. (laughs) 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 Oh, dear. So as not to leave you empty-handed or empty-eared this week, we're going to play a clip from Fit the Fifth, where Ford explains to Arthur how the restaurant won't be destroyed when the universe ends. As always, check out the show notes for more information and links to check out the radio show or movie that we talked about here. And now, ladies and gentlemen, I'd like you to give a nice warm welcome to Mr. Reg Nullify and his cataclysmic combo. Take it away, Reg. Your arms, your legs, your head, your everything to me. I mean so tag.
How you doing? Your glistening scales of green I don't know where they've been You might have slept with the bug bladder beast of trawl But I don't care but look, Shirley, if the universe is about to end here and now, don't we go with it? No, look, as soon as you come into this dive, I think you get held in this sort of amazing force-shielded temple wall thing. Look, I'll show you. Now imagine this napkin as the temporal universe. Right, in this spoon, as a transductional mode in the matter curve. That's the spoon I was eating with. Oh, right, I imagine this spoon as the transductional mode in the matter curve. Oh, no, 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 better still, this fork. Shall I go my fork, please? Look, why don't we say this wine glass is the temporal universe? So if I. Uh, forget that. I mean, do you know how the universe began for a kickoff? Um, probably not. Alright, imagine this. You get a large, round bath made of ebony. Where from? Herod's was destroyed by the Vogons. It doesn't matter. So you keep saying. Now listen, now just imagine you got this large ebony bath, okay? And it's conical. Conical? Shh, it's conical. So what you do is you fill it with fine white sand, right? Fine white powder, anything like that. When it's full, you pull the plug and it just twirls down out of the plug hole. Why? But the thing is, the clever bit is, when you, you film it happening, you get a movie camera from somewhere and actually film it. But then, then, then you thread the film in the projector backwards. Backwards? Yeah, neat, you see. So what happens is you sit and you watch it and then everything appears to spiral upwards out of the plug hole and fill the bath. See? And that's how the universe began? No. But it's a marvelous way to relax. Funny man. Broke the ice, didn't it? That's all the time we have for this week. Fit the Fifth Outtakes, courtesy of Not Them Productions, calling on new producer, director Thomas Martinson, scoot supervisor Thomas Martinson, with judicious edits by Sean Corson and Caleb Gessling. We put a fit the fifth clip mixed and edited by Colin Ganyu and Keith Everson. This netcast is produced and edited for POW TV by Sean Orange. Bandwidth and production assistance for this episode provided by That'sOrange.com. Thanks for your patience this week. Hopefully our appetite is sufficiently whetted for the complete fit the fifth in next week's episode. Episode 6. Hopefully that won't be too confusing. Thanks for listening and try not to get thrown off too badly when Colin tries to crack you up by saying... Was that a duck call? Black Desiato at the on the table in the platinum suit with duck call? What? Until next time.